This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. Let's go to Second Peter. Praise the Lord. Good to see uh, some visitors here and we hope you enjoy today and uh, some old faces as well. Not old in age, old in friendships. So, this has been a good morning. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> Romans 8:29, and we'll be we'll be reading from Second Peter in just a moment of time. Uh, but Second Peter ties into Romans 8 in terms of the purpose of God for our lives. Romans 8:28, which is a very common refrain by people, and and uh, it's often taken out of its context. But there's a powerful truth in this, and. Paul says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And there is a uh, an intention within Paul's writing of that verse to cause the believers to understand that their hardships and their difficulties, such as he was going through at this time, he was imprisoned in a Roman prison, Uh, these difficulties and these challenges are part of the working of God or God is able to take those. He's able to take the plans that the enemy thought he could produce evil from and, and the Lord is able to work those things for good for you and I. Then in the next verse, he states really where this working of good is heading. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So God has a purpose for believers, and it is what... Paul calls the predestiny of believers that you and I are predestined as believers, those who are in Christ, to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, externally, you and I look very different. And, uh, you know, some of us from, uh, as the the Brits used to call it, the subcontinent, uh, you know, and and, uh, have some darker tones of skin and some of us are white Anglo-Saxons and then the Europeans and all different kinds of things going on in this room, the Asians and, and uh, all different kinds of things going on. He's not talking about the colour of a person's skin or the external looks when, when he writes this to the church at Rome. He's talking about a transformation that is taking place within the individual that is resulting in them becoming more Christ-like in their behaviour, in their thinking. So it's an internal thing that Paul is talking about, and this is the plan of God, that God would have you and I be transformed internally into the image of Christ. And this is where, as believers, we have to be careful because for so long churches over the 
uh, you know, in the, in the, especially in the 20th and 21st century, or 20th century especially, placed so much emphasis on the external. And, uh, you know, the, the suits and ties and, and various different things and, uh, you know, haircuts and all, all different kinds of things to do with the external. And, in fact, people would often think that somebody is doing well because they're dressing sharper and, and they're looking better. They've got their Sunday best on. And that externalizing of the Christian living, uh, I believe, led to damage uh, through that time as people became ultimately self-righteous in their appearance in their behavior, in their turning up to uh, church, turning up to home group, turning up to outreach and ticking these boxes that people can see. It's the externalizing of things. Where Paul is talking about something that transpires on the inside and Peter talks about this as well in Second Peter, if you turn there, Second Peter. Peter talks about it as well. I would encourage you to work through Second Peter and study it out and allow God to instruct you and encourage you out of this passage. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful passage. And it is incredibly encouraging and challenging at the same time. There is a a word called synergy, and synergy is where uh, two people or two objects work together and the outcome is a greater output than, uh, that is accomplished than individually. Now, that is taken into theological realms and people uh, that go to an extreme in the idea of synergy believe that uh, you are able to, by your effort, as well as God's grace, achieve salvation. Now, I'm not talking about that when I mention this word synergy. What I'm talking about is in the process of discipleship, in the process of you growing as a believer, there is a synergistic relationship with God that takes place. God calls you as a believer to grow, and so he puts challenges in front of you. He puts instruction in front of you. And you have this relationship with God whereby you respond to what God has put in front of you. And over a period of time, that relationship results in your growth and development, your maturity as a believer. And I believe that that is essentially what Peter is getting to in this passage. So let's read Second Peter Chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God, of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Some people say that the apostles never identified Jesus as God. Um, you could not get a clearer statement in all of Scripture than what Peter just made there, that you and I are of equal standing, uh, even with the apostles, 
equal standing before God. Why? By the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things. What things? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So you can see that Peter is urging believers or or, uh, leading believers toward this understanding that the Christian life is not stagnant, that God has a purpose for growth and development in your life, and as a consequence of that, God has given you everything that's necessary for that. For this very reason, for what reason? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Verse 3 says, Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. God is transforming you and I into the image of Christ, is what Paul said in Romans. And now Peter describes that as you and I becoming partakers and the the... Uh, uh, this sense is that you and I would continue in partaking in the divine nature. For this reason, make every effort to supplement, or some of your Bibles will say to add to your faith. Now, he is not talking about a works-based program of faith plus works equals salvation. This is your saving faith. This has already happened. Now, Add to this. So don't start on the wrong foot with this passage. Don't think that this passage is saying, oh, I have to have faith plus these things in order to be saved. He's saying that God has brought you into this relationship with him through the the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You've been saved. So now add to this faith in this faith, this collection of beliefs. Add to this. And let's see what he says to add. Supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Well, there is a fantastic list for you and I to work through and uh, and. In working through that list, you will grow incredibly if you make this a list of prayer and devotion for your life. Let's finish off the next couple of verses. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, you can see here that Peter is talking about an ongoing development in your life. If these things are yours and they're increasing... So if you think for a moment, I don't have much knowledge. The point is not how much knowledge you have now. The point is, is this increasing? If this this is yours, oh, I have a little bit of knowledge. 
I understand a little bit about the gospel, then that is awesome. God wants to take you from there and grow you if this is yours and is increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That I, I just find that to be one of the most encouraging verses in all the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Just read that last verse there again, one more time. For in this way, this, this way of continuing to grow in this list of attributes that Peter wants you to grow in, you'll scrape it into the entrance of the eternal kingdom. It's, there's going to be some fanfare, isn't there? There will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Well, in the Christian life, once you are born again, the, the work of salvation is a work of God where we respond to the gospel message and he saves us through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith, Paul says, is not a work. And so by the obedience to the command to repentance, we place faith in Jesus Christ and we are born again. From that, out of that, you and I are called to growth in Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to. Hebrews 13 speaks of giving a, uh, gives an instruction on, uh, to the church and, and speaks of obeying your leaders and submitting, them for, uh, to, submitting to them for they keep watch over your souls. Uh, that's often been taken way out of context and some of us here have come out of uh, churches that have been heavy shepherding, that have used that kind of a, a verse, quote that verse in order to dominate people's lives. And um, uh, But the essence of what the author of Hebrews says is let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would not be of advantage to you. But that, that talks about our relationships together and that when there are leaders you know, you can bring this over even into your workplace that when you uh, are working and uh, giving assistance and help to those who are in charge, it takes a lot of pressure off them and it, and it takes away the angst from the situation and the relationships improve. And that's essentially what, what he says there. But regarding your life, your growth is out of somebody else's hands. Your growth is to do with your relationship with God. 
you can think about any other relationship. You think about a marriage relationship, the growth in your marriage is to do with you and your spouse. The growth in your family is to do with you and other family members. And so the growth in your Christian life is what God is looking for when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You just went from the starting line. That's what happened as far as your Christian walk is concerned. And from that point, God is in the process of developing you and growing you and moving you forward. And it's what he's called you to. And I love how Peter (coughs) gives this kind of challenge to us to look ahead to the finish line. He says, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. So you're off the starting block. Now add to your saving faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So, So Peter is saying all of this stuff in order that you and I might grow so, so that we can keep our eye on the finish line because God is going to provide for you a wonderful entrance into the kingdom of heaven. There's a finish line in sight, is what Peter is saying. In other words, Peter is saying from the time you got saved to when you go home to be with the Lord, you don't know when that is. Keep adding to that saving faith, these virtues and these attributes, because one day you're going to cross the finish line. Second Corinthians 5, a verse you would well know, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So we've all entered the Christian life the same way, through faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you answered an altar call somewhere and were genuinely converted or whether you heard the gospel somewhere and and you were uh, broken over your sin and you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. If you were born again, you have been saved the same as any other person who placed their faith in Jesus. We've all entered the same way, equally saved, transformed, indwelt by the Spirit of God, but we are each in a process of growth. And that process of growth differs for all of us, determined by our response to God. That's where the synergism of our relationship with God works. I've, I've done manual labor um, all of my life. And if you have done manual labor, you, you know what I'm about to talk about, that when you're working with um, a couple other people and everybody's kind of lockstep in rhythm with the purpose of what's happening and is putting in a good effort... <coughs> Things flow really, really well. They, they just go really well and, and there's great achievement throughout the day. But every now and then you work with somebody who, he's kind of like swimming the other way, you know. Everything's a question, you know. We have to dig this pile of dirt and put it over there. Why? Why can't it just stay there? 
You know, it doesn't matter. I'm just using a simple illustration. Everything is an effort. Everything's a question. Everything's a complaint. And so now the workload drags out longer because, to use the Aussie vernacular, you're having to carry someone. Uh, someone's been a bludger. And so the achievement is less as a result. You and I, we're in, we're in this synergistic relationship with God. And he is the one producing, you know, he's the one producing the outcomes. But you and I are to respond to the message of his word. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God has a direction for your life. He's calling you to glory and excellence. That's what he's calling you to. Ask yourself, as it stands right now, does my life reflect the glory and the excellence of the Lord? Does my life reflect the glory and the excellence of where God would have me be? Am I being transformed into the image of Christ? Now, hopefully your answer is, it should be, it it definitely is not fully yet, because you're being transformed, right? That is in the continuous and ongoing sense in Romans 8.29, that we are being transformed. So that's continuous tense. But hopefully you're able to say, you know what? I still may not fully reflect the glory and the excellence of the Lord, but he has been developing me. He has been maturing me. The the knowledge of his word is increasing. The richness of my relationship with him is growing. Well, many times people say, I don't know what God is calling me to. But here's one thing that you can know for sure is that he is calling you to reflect to this world the glory and the excellence of Christ Jesus your Lord. That's what he's calling you to in this life, that your life would reflect the nature of Jesus. Now, just let that, let that sink in for a moment because how many times have you said things like um, you know when you when you when you get challenged maybe about Matthew 18 and somebody's offended you and and you say you want to you know you you've got this complaint about this person and and then your brother says to you well have you gone to them yet and spoken to them and you say something like oh, I'm just not confrontational see that's your nature speaking not the nature of Christ Christ would have you because he's instructed you in Matthew 18, when your brothers offended you, go to them. And so in that moment when you're resisting that and saying, it's not in my nature to do that, you're resisting what Christ would have you be. You're not not resisting what others would have you be. You're resisting the, uh, the compulsion of Scripture to go to your brother as the scripture declares that we should do. Now I know that's a challenge and that can be a challenge in many ways. 
But it is the, the biblical injunction. And so when we live in the old way and when we resist that, what's happening is we're stopping our growth at that point. We're not acting with brotherly kindness. When we conceal an offence, we should be going to them and speaking to them because they may not be aware that they're behaving in this way that offends people, which is often the case. You see, the goal of the Christian life is not that you and I become more, uh, what's the word, Uh, that we become cleverer at not dealing with things and we can just conceal stuff and, you know, every time we get offended we just get a little thicker skin and, and we just don't worry about it. That's not the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is that you and I would reflect the character and the nature of Jesus Christ and that when there is an offence that we deal with it biblically. Well, how do we enable this? You see, God is awesome in his grace towards us. Peter says, 2 Peter 1 verse 3, his divine power. So this is not not a power from you. This is not a power from education or from social status. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And this is not just from nowhere. This hasn't come from a vacuum. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. Now just remember who's writing this. Peter, who shares these words with us, Remember him between the betrayal of Jesus and the day of Pentecost. I mean, this man was a a cowering and fearful man. Something transpired in this man's life, so much so that he was able to stand up to people and preach the gospel of Jesus. The angry crowds of people that had been baying for the blood of Jesus. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost when he realizes what's taking place, that that the thing that Joel prophesied is now taking place. This same man, like this is a transformed man. And now he's saying, that's not me. That's God's divine power. His divine power has granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's either true or it's rubbish. So God has granted. And the Greek of the text is that it has been done. It's been accomplished already. His divine power has given to you everything that is needed for life and godliness. So you've got everything. We're in such a materialistic age that we we live in a state of mind thinking we don't have everything we need, do we? Sometimes we say, we look at something that's been marketed to us and we think, oh, if only I had that, how easy would life be? Just with that thing, just need that thing, just that, that new mix master or really... You know, 
What does God want from you? You know, this is a question we have to ask ourselves. What does God want from me? Now, I'll tell you one thing that he wants. He's called you to glory and excellence. So if you don't know, you're a young person and and you, you want God to use your life, maybe on the mission field and, and do something with your life, but you don't know what it is, that's okay. You don't have to know now. But if you live so that your life grows in Christ Jesus and you reflect his glory and his excellence, as time goes by, God will reveal what he wants you to do. He'll reveal that to you. It'll become clearer and clearer and clearer. And that determination to go in that direction will just seem like a natural thing. I mean, really, you know, um, I love the mission field and I'd love that, uh, you know, that we could be planting workers from our church into orphanages in Africa and India and, and, uh, and in China uh, you know, maybe language teachers into into Asia, teaching English and ministering the gospel as well, and uh, you know, and stuff like that. To think that God could do that with Suzanne and I, and that we could go there—it's—it's it's really a joke. It's the funniest thing out, you know. Suzanne left school at fourteen. Mm-hmm. I left school at sixteen. Failed eight subjects out of ten in in uh, in my final year. Um, because I was such a butthead, just just being a moron at school. <coughs> Thought I was smart, you know, being cheeky all the time. Thought that was so smart. Gee, that's been good for me, hasn't it? Worked out real well. But God would take us, and we'd we would teach English. I could barely even speak English. I sounded like Crocodile Dundee with a more Australian accent. You know, it was just bizarre. And students would ask me, is this a verb intransitive? I've never heard of a verb intransitive. What does that mean? I've heard of a verb before. Verb's an action word. Uh, You know, I didn't know anything, seriously. So, but the process becomes clearer and what God does is he stretches you and he develops you. So, God has, what has God called you to? Two thing, two words, or three words with the and in the middle. Glory and excellence. He's called you to that. Okay, glory and excellence. To reflect his glory and his excellence. Okay, to this world around you. And let's be honest, while we're being honest. Many times we don't do that, do we? You know? Many, many times just a little bit too much of me shows through. But God is in the process of transforming. And one of the ways that we can grow toward that glory and excellence is when we realize that's me speaking full on there. That's me at work. God, this part of me needs some changing and I need some help now. That's where we, we begin dying to self 
to be transformed and conformed into the image of Christ Jesus. That's what God's purpose is for you, to reflect his glory and his excellence. And that is being more like Jesus. What was Jesus, the perfect image of God on the earth? He reflected the Father to those around him. That's why he wasn't gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you know, walking around with a handbag on his arm or something, you know. That's not who he was. Jesus was a man's man. He reflected, but, but he had compassion and he had virtue as well, but he had strength. I really hate that detestable image of Jesus as some girly man. His divine power has granted to us all things. I struggle to get that in my head sometimes because I think, well, where are all these things? You know, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. All things. Now, you will see in verse 5, the synergism. God's given us everything that we need. Verse 5, for this reason, make every effort, effort to supplement your faith. He's given us all things. Obviously, Peter is talking about a relational working here, that God is in the process of developing you. He's, he's, the whole toolbox is there. Now you and I respond to him. How does God enable your growth in the Christian life? You see, this is, this is an important area because your growth in the Christian life is in your cooperation with the Lord. And it's not because of people. People can be a help, but they can't get you to that full maturity to reflect the image of Christ as he would have you reflect the image of Christ. And it's not just because of you, but yes, it is because you and I must respond. We have to respond. We have to respond to the Lord. So when he says here, make every effort to supplement your faith, that saving faith that you placed in the Lord Jesus Christ by which God saved you. Now, make every effort to supplement that faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. So Peter goes through and he gives this list of attributes that you and I are to see developed in our lives. This word virtue is where the word manliness came, came from. That a virtuous person was considered to be manly, not because he was pumping iron and macho, but it was because his word was his bond, he said what he would do, and he did what he said he would do. He lived 
a transparent life, that people would know that this man is not fraudulent, that they would know that he was being honest. He lived in the nature of Christ Jesus. And so your growth as a believer lies in your response to the truth of Scripture and your application of that truth. That's where your growth is. So, let's wrap up with a couple of thoughts. The intention of God is that every believer would reflect his glory and excellence to this world, or as Paul says it, be transformed into the image of Christ. I believe they are two different ways of saying the same thing. That if you and I are transformed into the image of Christ, we're reflecting the glory and the excellence of God to the world around us. His divine power has granted to us all things. How many things? Right? So the, the problem with our growth is not on God's side. Ah, oh, but I'm not very smart. That's okay. Because Peter says that where you are now, if these things are in you and are increasing. I promise you, I'm not very smart. There's, there's a lot of people in this room who are way smarter than me, able to think much more laterally, clearly, process things better. It doesn't matter. What matters is where we are now and that we are increasing in them. Peter says God has provided to us also precious and very great promises. I don't think I've ever heard someone describe a promise that way. A very great promise. It sounds like someone who's learning English and they want to describe this promise that's been made. Oh, you've made a very great promise. I shouldn't put on some strange accent. I'll get in trouble. So, you know, so Peter says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. God has something rich in store for your life. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you are right now, what your life is, it may be the salvation of one person's soul because you grew in the Lord Jesus Christ and you were able to share the gospel with them in such a way that, that it revealed to them their sin. It could be just that, that one person, like a shoe store man reaching D.L. Moody. Just one man. A quarter of a million souls reached through that man's ministry quarter of a million before the advent of PA systems, electricity, airplanes. Or maybe electricity was around in its fledgling forms. You know, the reality is who knows? Who knows what, what God can do? You know, have we stopped believing that God can, can do what his word says he can do? 
in us? Precious promises. Why are they precious? Because they are tied into the person of Jesus Christ. These promises are in his word. And Peter gives some right here, doesn't he, when he talks about the growth in our lives. They're amazing promises. That you may become partakers of the divine nature. That's the precious and great promise. That God invests in your life, the presence of the Holy Spirit, a part of God's divine person is invested into you to enable you to reflect him to the world around you. He's made an investment. He's made a big investment for us. Supplement your faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. It's a pretty potent list. Wesley says about brotherly kindness, or about this passage, he says, And to brotherly kindness love, the pure and perfect love of God and of all mankind. The apostle here makes an advance upon the preceding article, brotherly kindness, which seems only to relate to the love of Christians toward one another. So, Peter says, add to your godliness, brotherly kindness, add to that love. So, brotherly kindness would be a love to one another, but that's not where it stops. You know, this is, this is not to be some cult community where all we do is high-five and slap each other on the back and, and, and show love to one another. From here, we are to show love into the world. That is, that's love. A love for God and a love for man. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So God's purpose in this is that you and I would reflect his glory and his excellence. And beloved, he's given all things to help you in that. I would urge you to work through that passage. It's been you know, a passage that I've been looking at quite a bit recently. I'd urge you to look through that passage. Study through that passage. Pray through it. See where your deficiencies are. Ask God to help you with those so that his glory and excellence can be reflected in your life all the more. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Our Father, we thank you and we praise you here this morning, Lord God. You're so wonderful to us. We're so undeserving. But in Christ, you call us to reflect your image into this world, to reflect the image of your Son, that which you've described as glory and excellence. And Lord, help us to make this our prayer and our goal in our lives, that we would each day reflect the image of Christ 
and shine your glory, your excellence in this world. Help us to grow as Peter described, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.